0: Coming up is a user acquisition panel with experts from Network, DraftKings, and Game of Wales to share their top UA secrets. This is from a Paul and VC and SVB event that I helped organize, and I want to thank Paul and VC for letting me run the recording on the podcast. You're about to discover a heap of knowledge from creative optimization to coming up with out-of-the-box ideas for creatives and what downstream metrics are the most important all that and so much more the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts this is the app masters podcast with steve p young from apple features to aso to influencer marketing you will learn all the tools and tactics to make it in the app space learn more at appmastersacademy.com. Calculate your app's lifetime value and learn how you can exponentially scale your growth. Pollen.vc is the best way to manage cash flow and invest in your app's growth. Learn more at Pollen.vc.
1: Hey, everybody. Uh, in the interest of time, instead of doing like self introductions, I'm going to ask a question and have uh, each of the panelists answer the question and then do a very quick intro, just given the limited amount of time we have. And so I thought I would open with a question about, you know, in the last few years, there's been like this advent of machine learning based bidding algorithms from, uh, you know, Facebook and Google. And so there's a a fairly popular view that given all the automation that's happening and the optimization that's happening, uh, from that side that the, the biggest source of a competitive advantage now is creatives. And so I wanted to ask you guys, do you agree or disagree with that question or with, with that proposition and then uh, brief introductions? Maybe starting with you, Nebo.
2: Hi, I'm Nebo. Um, I used to run user acquisition and network until three weeks ago. Now I'm the UA platform team. Um, I was at MZ and RDS before. So yeah that's uh, that's exactly right there's there's simply fewer uh levers now to do ua and you have to be more creative with the available uh levers and creative is one of the most important ones um but creative was always impor- always important it's just that now uh, you just have to over index on that and try all kinds of different concepts um and the problem with uh with with creative being so important that also uh, creative fatigue is becoming like a thing uh, we, we think more about and trying to figure out how to extend the lifetime of creative. But I think we might cover that in some of the next questions.
3: Hi, I'm John. Uh, I used to run uh, user acquisition at Play Studios, a so- social casino. Um, mm-hmm. Now I work at DraftKings. I'm part of a very, very, very small and brand new programmatic team. Uh, regarding that question, I think my personal belief is that User acquisition, you really have three levers. One is the dollars, so your CPI, your budget, um, targeting who you're tar- uh, your audience, who you're trying to find, and uh, the creative. And realistically, the creative is the single point, I think, most important aspect of it. You can't outspend the competition, uh, everyone's targeting the same people, so what can you do to show the user that your value proposition is better than everyone else? So I do believe creative is one of the key aspects of UA.
4: Hi, Doron. Um, I have two hats. We have a gaming company. Uh, It's a private small company, 30 people, 220 million downloads. We do games, easy. Uh, The second company is a startup, basically using AI and machine learning to boost LTV. Basically learning behavior of the users, automating the monetization strategy on a user level and optimizing that. On the question of Uh, user acquisition, I think we all agree about the uh, importance of uh, uh, what we show the users. I think that one of the biggest challenges for companies that are not in the size of these companies is the targeting, because we all target the same users, right? So a company like my company, small company of 30 people, need to compete with Disney, and DraftKings and Machine Zone, etc. And we all we all have the same algorithm. So if we go to Facebook and we target in a purchase whales, we all target the same. Never mind how good my art is, we all target the same users, and they have five thousand dollars on every cent that I have. So they will win eventually. So we need to think guerrilla also on the targeting and the ways to get to the users.
1: So, in terms of assuming that this is true, that creative is the most important aspect in terms of gaining competitive advantage, then what aspect of creative do you guys think, you know, and especially for small companies, and we've got a number of small developers in the audience, what aspect should they be focusing on, whether it's the sourcing or the evaluation, or what part of like the creative process, or whether it's dynamic or whatever, should they focus their resource, resources on to get the most bang for the buck? Uh, again, maybe starting with you, Nibo? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um- uh, that's a that's a great question, and it's one of the uh, most common discussions I have with the marketing creative people it's basically you have to forget everything you know about creative because things you think are gonna work are not gonna work in most cases so it's all about just uh, trying and testing different concepts and you know sometimes those concepts are really stupid um Probably some of the ads that you 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 see every day are not the most intelligent or the best most representative ads, but basically successful u a teams are just trying. Uh, all kinds of different concepts and trying to find which one is converting users the best. Uh, sometimes the front end conversion, basically conversion, uh, click to rate and click to install is not uh, the best representative of the performance. Some misleading creatives lead to lower retention and lower RI. So basically you need to have a holistic view on how creatives perform, especially for hardcore games, uh, and understand, you know, um, whether the users you're driving with a certain creative are actually good. Um, so install volume and cost is not the only thing, uh, you should worry about.
3: I, I think in, in marketing. You should always build for your user and not for you. Like, I 100% agree. There are a lot of things that our marketing team, even our UA people, we see a creative, it's like, oh man, this is going to be a game-winning creative. We launch it, it's like the worst creative we've ever launched, right? So you have to kind of forget everything that you want versus what your user actually wants. Right? What Who is your user? What is enticing to them? What can create that linger effect? Especially in a world where we are bombarded by ads, right? What will cause a user to see a banner and stop very little right if you're on your uh, facebook newsfeed do this experiment set a timer for 30 seconds and scroll down normally on your newsfeed and count the number of ads you see right what's your wish right unless you're (laughs) um and and see like what is a how many ads do you see and how many ads actually cut Cause you to stop and linger what create that linger effect right so then taking that back to what your product is and understanding what can you do within your product to create that linger effect you don't want to go way off the wall and create this thing that's like super wacky that will create that linger effect but in no way ties back to your product and that's where you would have huge click through rates but really really bad kind of down funnel metrics but at the same time like you also if you're a small company you don't have the luxury of trying everything, right? So you have to be very smart, very intelligent, and really get in the shoes of your user. Yes, I I
4: agree, of course. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, again, in order to win, when you compete with unlimited budget companies, you must think out of the box. Like if you take the routine, of showing the best out of your game, it will never look as good as Disney, for example. It will never look as good as Marvel because they have better resources, they have better skills and more money. So thinking out of the box is that every time that we try new art or anything related to user acquisition, we are looking for the craziest things, like something that haven't been seen before. So for example, in our game, Trial Extreme, which is a motorcycle game, we advertised the game and the obstacles and the racing and the PVP and it was okay. But then we tried one time to show fails. So people crashing into walls, into the ocean and the CTRs, the, everything went, went up the roof. So it's not the most presentative thing about the game but it made the users stop, click and as I said before, that's not the real test. The real test do they convert? What are the KPIs? You, win, you, you want ROI. You want return on investment. So these users not only download more, they paid more in the game, leading to successful campaigns.
1: So that, to, to kind of um, further expand on that point, Ron, uh, how maybe you guys could talk about then in terms of the sourcing of creatives, how do you guys come up with the ideas? Are there specific processes or tools that you guys are using to come up with the ideas to you know get a crazy out-of-the-box type of idea?
2: Um, yeah, so so we're using uh, market intelligence tools like Sensor Tower and, and Penny, and you can see what are the ads that your, uh, our competitors are serving. But we're also trying to just like play um, play around with with like things that are uh, that are current, you know, some memes or um, uh, things that we see on TV, things that people talk about. Um, again, I think one one thing that's important to mention is that production value doesn't really matter as much uh as much as the idea behind the ad and it's all about like being able to create as many creatives as possible that are interesting different that that catch people's uh, users attention um and it doesn't matter how much you pay for them or how much time you uh spend building those um so sensor tower uh, just looking at ads um People who work in advertising, they I mean, at least I, I take screenshots and record ads all the time. So I think that's a pretty common process just to like inspire uh, people who work on building ads. I think
3: one aspect of it is avoid silos. Uh, I worked for companies where you have marketing teams that want to create like something that's very avant-garde. And you're like, okay, we're a slot app. You know, what do you want to do with that? And and, and ultimately, uh, really having the creative person understanding where is this ad going to go? How is it different when you're showing an ad on the news feed versus showing an ad within another game or showing an ad on a banner placement, right? Each one is going to be a very different type of user experience. So create an ad that is meant for that user experience. Oftentimes you see a lot of companies that are like, well, we have very limited resources, so I'm gonna use that Facebook ad, that that same ad I, I show on Facebook, and show it everywhere else, and they're like wondering, hey, how come it, it's so great on Facebook, how come it's not working anywhere else? Well, think about where, where you're showing it, and what the user is doing, right? Um, so that's something that I would, I would definitely under, uh, uh, really ask really have your creative team understand where is this ad going so that they can actually create something that is functional.
4: Yeah, so one of the advantages of a small company is you don't need to have processes. So we we just encourage everybody to take part in creative ideas. And that's usually the case. So I think our last very successful uh, video came from the most junior person in QA. He just played with images from the game, put some very nice music that he found somewhere, added some effects, and it turned up to be one of the most successful uh, assets that we use for user acquisition. So no limitations, but that's very easy in a small company. It's quite hard in a big company, but they are all joined in an effort to bring users to the game.
1: And I I thought the next question we could talk about is in terms of evaluation and measurement, and in terms of like the creatives that are, you know, that you're testing. There are. It seems like in the industry, generally speaking, that there's there's a a kind of a concentration of focus more on the top of funnel, you know, front end metrics rather than uh, tying to downstream metrics. So, kind of a two part question. First, in terms terms of the top of funnel metrics, what are the types of metrics that people should be looking looking at, whether it's CTR, IPM, or whatever? You know, what are, are are there, like in what cases should you be looking at those different metrics, and then what are the types of companies, or what are the type of games that you should be measuring downstream metrics for, or should you always be doing that, Ebo? Uh, um,
2: yeah, so so in my career, I mostly work with uh, mid to hardcore games, so it's a little bit different for for games that are more complex and that require users to play them for some time to understand the game. So it's, it's a little different. We do care obviously about IPM because IPM or, or like click trade, because they tell us like what's the absolute reach that we can go after. So we care about the volume of installs and just growing the game, but at the same time, just installs without like revenue don't mean much to us. So that's why when we have creatives that are a little bit different and that perform significantly better on the ipm or click rate front we have to look at metrics such as cost per the retained user or cost per payer just understand whether you know uh all those installs are drying are just noise and they're just you know making things look good and cpi look great but they're not really contributing to uh, top, the top line which is what we care about so basically um you know, Front end metrics are important. Click to rate, click to install IPM. But, uh, unless those users are generating money for us because we're like 99.5 IP based, uh, we don't really, uh, we don't really care about those users or those installs.
1: And maybe I could ask a follow on question, yeah. uh, in terms of the downstream metrics, because some of the metrics, like, if, ideally you can tie a creative down to LTV, but that's going to take way too long for you to, you know figure out whether you should change your creative out or not yep. so then in terms of downstream metrics is there like a dx roas or rpu or some other type of metrics or is it just cost prepare that you guys look
2: at yes yeah, so, so all of the above we like ultimately as a company we care about payback windows and all the other metrics are just proxies for that so um and we don't really approach we don't really look at the dx metrics we okay. do just like You know, to a certain extent, but we're like really trying to estimate what the uh, payback window is going to be. And we try to do that at the most granular level possible. So if it's possible, if if, like a certain creative is so good that it drew like uh, thousands of users, then we can estimate what's the LTV for that those users are going to be. And then in that case, we can make uh, adjustments based on just creative um the problem is if you spend like five thousand dollars on a creative that doesn't drive installs or it doesn't drive any payers yeah. then it's much harder to kind of figure out how that creative impacts the right. business but for that feedback loop yeah.
1: you got a creative and then you understand the payback window yeah and if your payback window is like in some companies have three-year payback windows yeah, yeah. so then do you have like some type of like PLTV or predictive yeah
2: exactly like so a- so what happens is that that's what the ua platform is doing that's what my team is working on basically just understanding based on like the, the recent data, how like what's the performance of a certain creative and then whether that creative should like uh, remain live or the bid for that creative should go down. So we try to understand that based on the recent performance and based on the recent kind of revenue, like monetization events and then to make the decision based on that. So that's the point of the UA platform, basically trying to automate all those things. So you don't have to manually um, uh, change things and also minimizing wastage by, uh, just having computers do that and not people.
3: Um, I think when you're thinking about downstream, and
2: then like
3: for core, core games that makes a lot of sense. Like on the flip side, if you're talking about something that's like super, super casual, very monetization driven, might not make sense for you to look at like a day X ROI. Uh, you might want to just look at click through rate and drive the lowest CPI as possible, get those users in. Because if you have a very, 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 Low ARPU but you make it up in volume, then it's a completely different type of buying strategy. Um, on top of that, though, when you, th- with, with, regarding any product, any, I don't care, like if it's gaming, non gaming, you really have to think about from a full funnel standpoint, right? I think traditionally the trap is, uh, marketing teams think that our jobs is just to bring users in. And once users come in, it's no longer my problem. It's product's job to figure out a way to monetize them. And I think that's a, very bad way of thinking of it. So uh, uh, I, would, I would argue that a professional UA person should think all the way through the funnel. So when they bring that user in, what does that user see? What's the first time user experience going to be like? How likely is that user gonna drop off if they see a really lousy tutorial or lousy first time user experience? Because the way oftentimes we don't think about it is, what is the value of a dollar saved versus a dollar spent? Right, so if I can bring a user in and it, I can retain that user or reduce my day one churn, that by like ten basis point, what is the business dollar amount that drives to my uh, portfolio versus spending another ten thousand dollars or whatever it is?
4: Yeah, so the, the the front end is the first year, and and add doesn't have clicks, doesn't have installs, will not work. But obviously, never mind the size, you're looking at the end of the day on the ROI. So you need to measure everything up to the LTV. So breaking it down not only to the uh, uh, art, but also to the targeting. So targeted audience, breakdown to the art and then all the way to the uh, LTV. But there's no need to wait, even if the game takes a few months or a few years to produce the LTV. There are tools in the market today that offer predictive LTV that very fast you can track if the campaign that you're running, the, the R that you're using, are driving good RI or bad RI. So there, there's really no need to wait.
1: So maybe last question. I'm not sure how one, we're doing on time. One, one thing I
3: want to add, add there, like if, if let's say you're a startup, you're, you're, you're working at your home trying to build something new, you don't have to also, again, you don't have the luxury to build a predictive LTV engine, right? Yeah. That takes a lot of resources, a lot of time, a lot of money that you may not have. So then I would, I would say like then go back to the fundamentals and examine the user flow all the way, right, make the tweaks there, here and there. One example, when I was at uh, Play Studios Social Casino, we're spending all this money creating lookalike lists of our payers and spending huge CPIs to acquire these users. When they come in, the first thing they see is, let me show you how to play slots, right? These are people who probably spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on other slot games and the first thing they see is that we, let me show you how to play slots. And our day one retention was horrible. Right. So once we change that, tweak that, we saw a huge increase in our day one retention. So that's why I'm saying, like, if you're a startup, you're a new company, you don't have the luxury to build these massive machine learning algorithms. Focus on the flow. Focus on what you can control. Focus on what the the things that you could actually work on. Yeah,
1: Yeah. And maybe expanding on, on, on that advice in terms of some of the smaller game, game devs and studios out there, you know, what would be your, for a smaller team with limited resources, you know, how, what what advice would you give them to help get the biggest bang for their buck in terms of how they spend their time and resources in terms of optimizing creatives?
2: Yeah, um, I, I work with a few smaller developers, and it's definitely challenging. And um, what's happening in the industry is, like, basically Google and Facebook are working against us and against small developers, because if you don't have a lot of money, it's hard to compete. So um, I would... I would focus on smaller channels, maybe rewarded video networks and try to nail rewarded video creative because that's one of the ways to lower cost and and grow the game initially. And then once you prove that the game is working well, it's retaining users, you can monetize those users through like Facebook, Google, and other uh, rewarded video networks, then you can expand and start buying in more aggressive, in, in more expensive sources. Unfortunately, like on Facebook, it's it's really, if you do like value-based optimization or app event optimization, it's just too expensive. And if your LTVs don't support that, it's gonna be really, really hard to to scale the game with a small budget. Um, so just find like a small niche, work with like, networks that are easier to optimize and cheaper to like, acquire from, and then expand to more expensive uh, and more complex ad uh, uh, networks, um, yeah.
3: I think another thing to consider is that when, when you don't have a lot of budget, every dollar you spend, aside from acquiring a user, is what, what did you learn from that dollar spent, right? Uh, you could spend a bunch of money with Google Ads, but it's a black box. Tells you to throw in a bunch of creatives, tell you what the segments, and then they'll just produce results. But you don't know why why it worked or why it didn't work. It, you don't have that visibility. So when you're spending that dollars, what are you trying to achieve? Like, did I spend uh, run this creative and I learned that this didn't work because the click-through rate was horrible, right? Then that's something you learn. You could actually take action. is actionable. So I would say, think about what channels can you spend on where... Even if it doesn't work, you can walk away with a wealth of learnings that you could apply to the next channel you're going to spend money on.
4: Well, I I would take the money and put it on A-B testing first before I do anything else, before I spend $1 on user acquisition because for game publishers, developers, the most important tool in the toolbox is the A-B testing, the ability to really test everything. But it's tricky, right? Because there are so many A-B testing tools out there. One, it's hard to implement. Two, when you get the results, mm. (laughs) but these users came from the feature and these users last week came from somewhere else. So you need to find something that is reliable, that you can set a test easy, get a black and white answer, option B, next. And by that, you keep increasing your LTV and that's what you really need for user acquisition. You need LTV that can compete with the CPIs that everybody are paying. So if you come with a high LTV, this is where you can start competing and you can start spending budget because the second goal after increasing the LTV is to spend money. As long as you can buy users cheaper than your LTV, you want to spend as many millions as you can a month.
1: Okay, great. Uh, Steve, do we have time for an audience question or should we wrap it up? Okay, Uh, any audience questions? All right, come
4: on up. Hey there, just actually a question about the last comment uh, that you made. I'm actually kind of curious. um, What about A-B testing at the game development or post-release state? So not just at the marketing side, but uh, can you tell a little bit more about how how do you train perhaps your engineers to think uh, from that perspective and not just your marketing folks? So, warning, there will be an advertisement in my speech now. But we've released our last game seven weeks ago. Uh, it's called Duels. Go ahead to the app store download it. And that was not the advertisement. It will come. Um, this game had been in soft launch for 13 and a half months. And during these 13 and a half months, we A-B tested more than 100 tests. And the tests were not on marketing. The marketing tests are happening now. But it was all about LTV. So we tested everything that you can imagine and can't imagine. Some tests were ridiculous. And some we didn't expect to get the results that we that we got. But, and here's the advertisement. What we built in the other company, not the Game Studio, Game of Wales, is basically the ability to execute tests fast and get a black and white answer. So if we want to know if tutorial is good or we need a longer tutorial or no tutorial at all or tutorial with ads or tutorial with in a purchase offer. So we just put seven groups and we get an answer. No tutorial. Next. We don't even stop to think about it that it doesn't make sense not to have a tutorial in the game. It is what it is. Th- these are the numbers. So next. And then after you have LTV that you are happy with, this is the time that we're starting to test the the marketing stuff.
3: I would also add that when, when you guys are building out the game, really think about how you're gonna do the segmentation. I've been with part of companies where, you know, they try to do feature rollouts to 10%, they realize there's targeting, even the internal game segmentation was broken, right? It was actually, they thought they were only targeting 10% of the user, they're actually exposing 50% of their users to that feature, right? So. When you're already designing the game, have that in mind as you're building the infrastructure of the game so that it can give you easily access to how you're going to A-B test and control who gets to see what. Um, and have that mindset in place of, okay, am I going to do a 10% rollout? I'm going to do a 20% rollout. Where am I going to do the test? There's a lot of things that... I, like. if I can go back in time and talk to some of my old companies when they first started, is to think about these things as you're creating a game and not doing it after the fact. Because after the fact, it's going to be very hard from engineering to go back to change some of the things that you have to change and then make those things
1: uh, a real. Okay, maybe one more, anyone? Nope, okay, thank you very much everyone.